Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Fertility in Focus podcast. I'm your host, Christina Burns. I'm a doctor of natural medicine specializing in the treatment of infertility via natural and integrative methods. I founded the Naterna Institute in New York City, where my team and I work with women and couples, often in collaboration with Western medical doctors, to guide the path to healthy conception. In this podcast, you'll learn all about your body and everything in the fertility landscape to help you realize your dream of baby. I'll be bringing you the best of advice from experts in the fields of both natural and conventional medicine, as well as the heartfelt and very helpful stories of brave fertility heroes on their path to baby. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome back. So emotional topic today, not that, you know, fertility topics in general aren't super emotional, but we're going to talk about miscarriage. Uh, we're going to talk about strategies to help you recover. And, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about the causes, too, to help you understand, deepen your understanding of, of what happened or what is happening and, you know, how to move forward and how to feel empowered in this process. If you've experienced one or more miscarriages, my heart goes out to you. I'm deeply sorry for your loss. And I understand your pain because I felt it, too. I hope that you can find some solace in this session we're going to do today by understanding some of the common causes and how might, how you might combat them, you know, to go into a pregnancy with more confidence or go back to your efforts with more confidence. While about 50% of miscarriages are caused by chromosomal abnormalities, the remaining 50% can usually be associated with one of the conditions that I am going to list, such as insulin resistance, low progesterone, thyroid irregularities, structural issues, clotting factors, toxin exposure, infection, and autoimmune conditions. And, you know, people tend to be like, just try again. It'll be fine. It's unlikely that it's going to happen again. But when you've suffered a miscarriage, it, it, it doesn't help that much to hear that it's really hard to move forward kind of unscathed after a miscarriage because it's sort of like your innocence was broken in a large way because you, you know, you became pregnant, you were so excited, you know, so hopeful, you know, envisioning, you know, this next stage of your life. And then it's kind of robbed from you or it feels like it is like this betrayal. And then this trust is lost. And that's what happens a lot with fertility is like, the trust is lost. And, you know, you'll have people like me being like, trust, trust your body, trust in, you know, the infinite organizing power in the universe, trust that this is going to work out for you. But, you know, having been there myself, it's really hard to do the fear and the anxiety take over of like, what if like, and what if this happens again? Because if any of you have experienced it, it's so, so deeply painful and traumatizing that then when you get pregnant again, you're just thinking about whether this happens again, right? But understanding it and what to do and how to think about it can be helpful in preparing you to move forward. Let's run through some of the potential causes of miscarriage. I go into this really in depth in my book, The Ultimate Fertility Guidebook. But, you know, in order to give you some strategies to move forward, I think that we should at least cover briefly the background, you know, what can be happening physiologically if you miscarry. So more often than not, a miscarriage is due to a chromosomal abnormality. So a chromosome missing or an extra one 
can cause the embryo to stop or the fetus to stop developing. And so the only way to really know that, and we'll go into this later, is to test either the tissue or the or to have a DNC to test the tissue. Otherwise, it's hard to tell. Generally, if you know you're over the age of 35, especially over the age of 40, they're going to be you know more thinking that that's what it is because the odds of it increase with age. So when there's a miscarriage, most of the time you know, your doctor or, you know, general consensus is that it's probably a chromosomal abnormality. Now that doesn't give everyone a great sense of comfort because it's like, what if it's not? And I've seen enough miscarriages that have been tested and where the um, tissue or the embryo, and I'm so sorry to call it that, came back normal, chromosomally normal. And then it was, it was almost more jarring in a way because, you know, at least if you know the cause you feel a little bit at peace, like, okay, I can put a name on it. But without being able to put a name on it, it, you can feel a bit more unsettled, like, which way do I go with this? So chromosomal, that's one, and that's the most common one. It's controversial, but the idea of immunological reproductive issues are becoming more front and center these days. And it's partly because we're having, we're seeing something like allergists, rheumatologists, and people who deal with more of the immune system side of medicine are seeing more histamine issues, like more immune disruption in this day and age. There's been some effects of the pandemic on that. And so, you know, reproductive immunology has been in the background, this idea that the immune system could attack a fetus and cause it to miscarry. Uh, but now I think people are, are kind of starting to engage in reproductive immunological approaches more than they used to. Like a lot of more centers are doing prednisone, for example, or things like Neupogen and, and trying to suppress the immune system to get an embryo to implant and stick. It's controversial because the drugs aren't always considered safe for pregnancy by OBGYNs. And there's this thinking that, you know, even if the immune system is acting out a little bit, it probably wouldn't be enough to affect uh, a pregnancy. So it's a controversial topic, but, and there are very few people who specialize in this, but those that have had recurrent miscarriage, you know, sometimes it's something to look at. I always look at the basics when it comes to miscarriage. Like I'm thinking about, are you nourished? Like, are you getting the nutrients needed? For example, iron deficiency anemia is a reason for failed implantation or potentially for miscarriage. There's not, not enough resources going to that growing fetus. Are you eating the foods that are needed to conceive a healthy pregnancy and maintain a healthy pregnancy? So the nutritional aspect. There are hormone, hormonal aspects like low progesterone, for example, which is the, the, the hormone that keeps your lining intact. Uh, in the implantation phase, if that hormone is low, you may miscarry for that reason. And progesterone can be low if you're overly stressed out all the time, or if you are doing really a lot of cardio, too much cardio or too intensive workouts, for example, uh, or if you kind of have a weak ovulation, like you don't build up enough of a strong egg to build a corpus luteum, which secretes the progesterone. So low progesterone can be one low thyroid hormone, and that can be an autoimmune condition like Hashimoto's. So that goes back to some of these like immune suppressant approaches. 
but it can also be other reasons that your thyroid is underfunctioning. Like maybe you have uh, an excess of estrogen in your system, either from hormones that you've taken or are taking, or just that you're not metabolizing things properly. Uh, stress can be something that disrupts the thyroid. An immune system or gut that is out of whack can disrupt the thyroid. And so thyroid health is one you know they're always looking at. They want the thyroid within a certain range to uh, maintain a pregnancy. One that's talked about a little bit less, yet there is research to support it, and one that I focus on a lot is insulin issues, insulin and blood sugar. So it was shown in research that if insulin levels are too high, it will attack the placenta, basically. So your placenta won't develop properly and won't be able to feed a pregnancy and you will miscarry if your insulin is out of whack. And it's not just in obese people that this can happen, although it would be more common that this would be the case with someone who is obese, but it can happen. You you don't even know that your insulin and blood sugar are out of whack and your insulin and blood sugar can be out of whack from inflammation in your body or from toxins. So I always come back to with miscarriage, like let's keep the inflammation low. Let's do a gentle detoxification to make sure there aren't you know, toxins in your body, pesticide built up, built up, you know, things that you've breathed in from bad air or what have you, things that you've come into contact in your home or your environment. Let's try to clean some of that out with chlorophyll, with cilantro, with uh, lots of green vegetables, with a lot of water, with a very clean diet so that we make sure that these things aren't disrupting the integrity of our eggs so that it's not causing inflammation that could cause immune dysregulation the toxins also are something that affect endometriosis and make it worse. Structural issues are one that can influence things, though I think it's really infrequently the case. You can have, you know, a septate uterus, like a malformation of your uterus. But a lot of I've seen a lot of people with um, kind of extraordinarily shaped uterus still conceive and you know, carry a healthy pregnancy, that would be obviously something that you'd have to talk to your doctor or surgeon about. It's not very much in the realm of alternative medicine. There are structural issues that are just growths. So it's not necessarily like, you know, how your uterus formed. Is it tilted? Is it, does it have a, you know, a septum through the middle? Is it a heart-shaped situation? I'm talking more about, when I talk about growths, endometriosis, which is an autoimmune issue wherein tissue grows kind of outside your uterus around your pelvic cavity and can cause scar tissue inside your uterus and around your ovaries. And there's a lot of inflammation and free radical damage associated with it. There's also uh, fibroids or adenomyosis, which are benign growths. They can continue to grow, but they're benign. They're not cancerous or anything. And they're almost like globs of, you can picture them as globs of fat, basically like dead tissue. And the problem with having the, this like dead tissue or this like not, I would say not vascular tissue, like not a lot of circulation is going there, is that that is like a sort of like a part of the uterus that's not going to be very nourishing for the pregnancy because the circulation isn't getting through the like thick kind of fatty tissue that's just sitting there. And you can say, oh, well, you can just excise it. You can just cut it out. Like a surgeon could just cut it out. Same with endometriosis, because maybe if you just cut it out, that would be fine. But that's not always the case. Sometimes it grows back. Sometimes it leaves scarring. It's very invasive to take these things out. And so another approach that conventional medicine uses in, in endometriosis and in adenomyosis, for example, is to use Lupron, which is uh, a drug that basically puts you into menopause. It turns off your estrogen so that these estrogen-sensitive tissues 
that grow in response to rising estrogen levels, they just kind of stop growing and go to sleep. But the problem with Lupron is that you're generally on it for at least a couple months and you and you generally become depressed and anxious and can't sleep and have hot flashes like you have menopause and it's really, really hard psychologically for the women that do it. So a lot of these things to me, other than say, you know, again, a structural issue where wherein you have your uterus is formed in a certain way that maybe only can be surgically handled, Growth, endometriosis, fibroids, insulin issues, thyroid issues, progesterone issues, nutritional deficiencies, that's a lot of lifestyle stuff. So I generally am prescribing an anti-inflammatory diet. So, you know, cutting out inflammatory foods like gluten, dairy, sugar, and this sounds like a lot to take on, but, you know, it's for a short period of time to, to just try to calm down inflammation. Nowadays, because people are kind of firing more immune responses, more histamine-related immune responses, I'm generally recommending a low histamine diet, taking out chocolate, be careful of fermented foods, especially, you know, fermented drinks like alcohol, beer, and wine, for example, and particularly in a season like this where we're in an allergy season where our immune system is already dealing with an onslaught of things flying through the air that are coming from flowering trees and such. You also need to feed your body the nutrients that are needed uh, for conception. So, you know, foods rich in folate for proper egg development, foods that have vitamin D and iron, that's uh, like eggs and fish and some dark meats or beets or pumpkin seeds, dark leafy green vegetables. These are the things that are going to give your body the nutrition it needs. If there's a hormone deficiency of the thyroid or progesterone, maybe you're looking at eating seaweed or for iodine or you're eating sunflower seeds that are good for progesterone. So there are nutritional ways to do this. I go through this in my book where I have a chapter called Woman Food where it talks about how to sync up nutrition with the phases of your cycle. In any case, a low inflammatory, low histamine diet is very good for the immunological inflammatory side of this. Um, cutting out a refined sugar and refined carbohydrates is very good for the insulin part of this. And then getting the proper nutrients is good for bringing up hormone levels, for giving your body the nourishment it needs to nourish a pregnancy. And then this clean diet will help detoxify the body of things that might be interrupting your ability to have proper hormone function, to have good egg quality, uh, and to have a harmonious environment for this, this fetus to thrive. So you had a miscarriage. These are the causes. What do you do about it? If it's a chromosomal abnormality, and you'd only know if you did a DNC or you collected tissue and, and brought it to them to test. But if it's a chromosomal issue, we're working on egg quality, which involves lowering inflammation, maybe taking some certain herbs, supplements, getting the stress levels down, sleeping more. This is big. If it's a structural issue, I mean, we have to examine that from a surgical viewpoint uh, and, and, you know, what's safe for you. If it's a growth you know, you're looking at Lupron, but I, I actually don't suggest going that road because it's so awful that I think acupuncture, herbs, and lifestyle are adequate in most cases and that that is, should be like a very last resort kind of route. You want to, whether or not you do a DNC or you miscarry naturally, you're going to have a hormonal crash. Now, when you miscarry naturally, there's like a kind of 
slow stepping down of your hormones. Like you're still going to feel it. You're going to have elevated anxiety. You're going to feel like your hormones are out of whack, but a DNC obviously, because it's removed from your uterus, the hormones go down so quickly. Um, it can feel a bit more dramatic. Depression, anxiety, weight gain, these are consequences. The first thing we want to think about with miscarriage is like, okay, let's make sure the uterus is cleared. And that is in the case of DNC or natural because I, like, I've heard that doctors recommend doing a DNC to make sure it's all cleared out, but then I see them having to go back for another DNC and another DNC because there is tissue retained. And I personally, obviously, because of what I do for a living, believe in the body's natural processes and in the ability uh, for the body to execute a natural miscarriage. Now, the thing with a natural miscarriage that people don't like is that you have to wait for it to happen, and it can take weeks. You can be, you know, sort of, you can know that your pregnancy has been lost, but it is sitting inside you for weeks, and that's a really unpleasant idea for many. Now, getting a DNC doesn't speed up the recovery. Like, it's not like, okay, get this out, and then my, and then I can start start get, trying to get pregnant again. Like, I see it be sort of the same amount of time to get your period back, whether you did a DNC or had it uh, happen naturally. So if you're looking at this as like a speedy way to get back on track, I don't believe that's the case. But what a DNC does is give you, you know, the psychological safety or satisfaction of being like, okay, it's out of me. I can move on now. But anyway, regardless, you want to clear the uterus. If you do a DNC, you may have received intravenous antibiotics, in which case you're wanting to take probiotics. Uh, there is an herbal formula called Shenghua Tang that's great for clearing the uterus. Um, I suggest taking that alongside the miscarriage in whatever form to help clear the uterus, followed by another Chinese herbal formula to just bring back circulation and bring back nourishment to the body. Like eating high iron foods, for example, is is really helpful because there's a lot of blood loss. A miscarriage is a birth. You are you know losing something from your body and losing a lot of blood in the process, whether it is natural or uh, through a DNC. With a DNC, you just don't see the blood. So we want to nourish the blood back with uh, iron-containing herbs. I love a formula called Tao Hong Su Wutang for this. And and herbs change for, for people. Like I wouldn't prescribe everybody the same formulas, but these are general rule ones that I would commonly use. And at the same time, we want to be doing things for the anxiety. Anxiety, grief, all of that. There are herbal formulas for that too. The things that can be combined together to benefit both the uterus and the hormonal transition and at the same time support you emotionally. When you miscarry, don't go eat a bunch of raw foods. Don't eat ice cream. Don't eat, don't drink cold drinks. Don't eat salad. Eat nourishing warm foods, cooked things. Help your body be nourished more easily. Things that are easy to digest are going to be a better choice for you in this scenario. Again, I'm so sorry if you've gone through this. You know, and if it hasn't been you and you know somebody and you're listening to this for them, you know, my advice is basically just keep going, you know, take the time you need to grieve, but having a miscarriage isn't a determining factor in whether you are going to get pregnant in the long run. Some people have multiple miscarriages, which is really, really hard. I had a few and it was discouraging. But what I will tell you is those that keep moving forward, get there. And while you're moving forward, you start to integrate these things into your life that are going to help you hopefully get there and help you be more mentally and physically well. Because part of what helps you withstand this very tumultuous and painful journey is being healthy in mind and body and spirit. 
Tony Robbins, this, you know, billionaire life coach, he's always telling people if they want to be successful, uh, that, you know, they need to eat healthy and sleep and get exercise. So he, his whole success principle thing is, a, you know, centered around, yes, it's a mindset, but the mindset comes a lot by what you're doing. Like if you're eating crap or not, um, if you're trying to get rest. So, you know, part of being able to move forward, being able to do the right thing is what you're doing on a daily basis, is integrating the right habits to help you get there rather than making you feel like you are kind of like wading through mud, like it's the mo like the hardest thing you've ever done. The more you take charge on the lifestyle stuff, the more you will feel that you can move through this period with ease. I'm really happy you've tuned in and joined the community, and I'm so excited to bring you more helpful content with each episode. In order to make this podcast as helpful as possible, I want to hear your input on what questions you need answered to get you feeling empowered on your fertility journey. You can DM me on Instagram at at Naturna underscore life or at naturally CB to share your most important fertility related questions. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please follow and share with friends. My mission is to help as many women and couples as possible. And for that, I need your help. Yours as always in love and light, Dr. Christina.